discipline can be learned. You can, by the grace of God, redeem your time for his purposes in the world. Uh, And my encouragement is just to make the time to do it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. Found throughout the Bible, we read time after time that God calls us to live a life of abundance. Many Christians struggle with finding the path God intends for our lives, but you aren't meant to seek God's abundant life alone. Welcome to the Hearing God's Voice podcast, where we seek transformation to abundant life through learning to hear God's voice. Living an abundant life can mean wearing many hats. Jeffrey Paul's journey has taken him from celebrity hairdresser focused on outer beauty to an author, teacher, and friend to all seeking God's abundant life. Join us and renew with spiritual teachings along with inspirational interviews to help keep our bodies and minds strong in faith. Welcome your host, speaker, teacher, and friend, Jeffrey Paul. Jordan Rayner has taken the principles that appear in over 60,000 books on Amazon about time management and put it through the sieve of the scriptures to pull out the biblical management of time that Jesus himself used to live a purposeful, present, and wildly productive life here on earth. I'm really excited about this interview with Jordan and to discuss his new book, Redeeming Your Time. So let's not waste any time. Let's bring him on. Jordan, good to have you here, my friend. It's just wonderful what you've been doing with this book. Welcome to Hearing God's Voice. God, it's a, it's a joy to be with you, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. You know, I said to you in the earlier stages of our, our interview uh, discussion before we came on, you have created something that is completely different. And I know people can use those words. Now reading your book that hasn't even released yet twice, as I shared with you, you have put together a master's degree or a PhD for a Christian to take and put their life parallel to Jesus's life, biblically based. And if we know it's in the Bible, we know it works. Tell me the motivation behind this, because I can't wait for the readers to just, I've heard some of the early stages of uh, comments and I'm, I'm scrolling through them this morning. And Jordan, I've seen many book reviews and done a lot of interviews, but the response of everybody that were writing those responses were heartfelt and said, I found something that can really help my life. Tell me what the author's It's an author's dream come true, right? When you're Mm -hmm. reading reviews and reviews are your best marketing asset, right? Just go read the reviews of the book. Let those speak for themselves. Here's why I wrote this book. I've always been obsessed with good time management. I I believe that good time management is part of our response to the gospel. As Paul makes pretty clear in Ephesians 5, where this phrase redeeming your time comes from. And so because of my obsession with time management, I've read, I don't know, something like 40 books on this topic over the last decade. And I have three really big problems with a lot of those titles. You know, number one, they tend to be centered on what I call works-based productivity, right? So the message is, hey, you're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling stressed. The solution is follow my system, do steps X, Y, and Z, and then you will find peace. That's baloney for Christ followers, (laughs) right? Through Jesus Christ, we already have peace. And so we can adopt this grace-based approach to productivity that says, I already have peace because I'm an adopted child of God. Now I do time management exercises X, Y, and Z, but I don't do them to get peace. I do them Mm -hmm. in response to peace. So I wanted to write a book that started with that as the foundation. The second problem I have with a lot of these books is I have never read a time management book that accounted for how the author of time 
managed his time when he came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. This is crazy. Christian or not, it's very hard to dispute that Jesus was the most productive human being who has ever lived. And yet we don't study the gospels for what they are, which are biographies. That's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are. So I went back to the gospel and said, okay, how did Jesus manage his time? Sure, he didn't have a to-do list. He didn't have a calendar or a smartwatch. But I believe there are at least seven timeless time management principles from the life of Christ. And that's what I drew out and packaged up into Redeeming Your Time. That's what the book is, these seven principles and these 30 modern-day practices to help us live out those principles today. I'll tell you what, Jeffrey, the last reason why I wrote this book, the last motivation. Previously, I would sit down and have coffee with people struggling with time management. They'd be like, ah, Jordan, I'm swamped. I get too much to do. And I would ask a bunch of questions and try to understand what's going on in their life. And over the course of an hour-long coffee, I would recommend a dozen books. There's a lot of great time management books out there that have served me really well, served a lot of people really well. But none of them contained all the pieces or connected them together in a cohesive whole. So that was my goal with this book, right? Looking at time management through the life of Christ, right? Through the life of our Redeemer and then connecting all the pieces together so that we can redeem our time like Jesus to be purposeful, Mm -hmm. present, and wildly productive. Let's unpack something because I'm excited about what happened this morning with my wife about being present. So I got to tell you a quick story. My wife's name is Zena, born in Sicily, gorgeous woman. And uh, she, you know, I'm up in my morning. I'm 4.30, wake up every day. That's my routine. And I'm there and she knows. And today, uh, after that, uh, you know, normally I'm popping out or getting some coffee with her. And uh, I didn't. And so my door was open and she walks with these little, you know, little girl eyes and says, what are you doing? <laughs> so, well, I'm getting ready to share with uh, Jordan Rayner today on an interview on his new book. And she saw me on busyness and she, and she didn't say anything. And I said, uh, well, why? She goes, I just wanted to talk to you for a few minutes. And Jordan, boom, the unipresent of Jesus that you talk yeah. about in your book, yeah. the picture of the woman with 13 years or 12 years of, of bleeding, stopping Jesus. I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to do an interview with Jordan on this book if I don't just stop. I got to turn my computer off. I got to turn my phone off. I move my microphone and I sit there and I want to tell you something. It was probably the hardest moment to live out one of the principles you bring out. So tell us about unipresent. I love that. I don't know if that's in the dictionary. I don't think it is. Maybe maybe we need to put it in there. Yeah, I'd love to talk about this, right? It's this wild idea that Jesus... Listen, Jesus had to deal with a lot of the same challenges that we face today as we seek to redeem our time, including people frequently trying to distract him from the work he was called to do, right? There are scenes where people literally threw themselves in onto Jesus' feet as he was walking down the road, right? There's the scene of the woman touching his cloak, and Jesus was distracted with the knowledge that he healed her. My favorite scene of this is when the man, I think it's in Luke 5, the man drops through the roof. And Jesus is preaching and interrupts him. So if, if somebody's not dropping through your roof right now over your desk, you're not more distracted than Jesus was. But in contrast to the secular wisdom, which encourages us to say, hell no to those sort of distractions, there were times when Jesus welcomed them, but there were other times in which he made significant effort to ignore distractions, to focus on one important thing, one important person at a time. Why? Because during his time on earth, and we don't talk about this enough in the church, Jesus, omnipresent God, 
temporarily traded his omnipresence for human unipresence that you and I both experience. Today, Jesus was confined to one place at a time during 33 years on earth. And throughout the gospels, we see him painfully aware of that human constraint, right? He was 100% God and 100% man. You see him aware of that constraint and he was constantly fighting to stay fully focused on mm. one important thing at a time. And that's critical for us today, especially with how distracted so many of us are. Son Like Father, your next book has to be The One Thing. I know that's our title's already been done. <laughs> if you go back to Genesis, I just did a teaching recently, and it was about how God took the time. I pulled it out of Ecclesiastics, you know, with, with, there's a time for everything. Mm. How God himself in the first chapter did one thing, a lot of things in the one thing, but he was so focused. You talk about focus. You mm. talk about the necessity mm. not to be interrupted and how to, you know, block out our time. And I've heard that before. I've got, if you look over my shoulder, multiple of those 40 books that you've read and you know, maybe a couple more. Yeah. Courses. I've got them all. Yeah. <laughs> and the reality is that this tying it to scripture making it the principles from the, the, the biblical management level takes us to another dimension. It takes it to, like you said earlier, a dimension that works because the missing key is we already have the piece. We already have the key. Give us the outline, if you don't mind, of the seven yeah. principles, because I want my yeah. audience to really know the value of of this, this, this context of a course. I'm going to call it a course because the book is underplaying it at this point. I was going to say, I was going to say, it is, it is a little bit of an undersell to call it a book. Uh, and to be clear, <laughs> you, you, we were talking about this before we went live. There's a whole website freely available with the book with tons of oh. videos and other resources to help you redeem your time. So real quickly, seven principles that I think we can see in the gospels in the life of Christ. Number one, Jesus started with the word. More than uh, sleep, more than food, Jesus prioritized time with the father. And we have to, too. I argue in the book that daily time in the word is the keystone habit for redeeming our time. It's the thing that makes everything else easier. And sure, we can be legalistic about this. But uh, if there's one thing I want to be legalistic about, it's being in the word every day. So that's principle number one. Start with the word. Uh, principle number two, let your yes be yes. Jesus commanded this very clearly in scripture. We could assume that Jesus' yes was always yes. I'm not sure ours are, right? We are making commitments left and right in emails and text messages and conversations. We've got to have a system that can ensure our yes is always yes. That's the second chapter of the book. The third principle, a lot of people's favorites, a lot of advanced readers' uh, favorites, dissent from the kingdom of noise. I mean, you created a whole new vocabulary, so... Uh, but go to that point. What yeah. is this that you're calling out for us to learn? I, I stole this phrase, the kingdom of noise from C.S. Lewis uh, in screw tape letters. Uh, these devils are saying, hey, we're going to ruin Christians' effectiveness by making their lives a kingdom of noise. And my word, that describes us today. Our world is noisy with nonstop news, with social media, with our phones going crazy. And that stands in stark contrast to the life of Christ. When you read the gospels, one of the things that jumps out the most is how much time Jesus spent in lonely places, or sometimes it's translated to solitary places. Jesus spent a ton of time in quiet solitude. We've got to do the same if we're going to think clearly, if we're going to be creative, and if we're going to listen to the voice of God. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's number three. The fourth principle, prioritize your yeses. Jesus didn't say yes to everything. He was very clear on what was most important, and he let that prioritize his work. We got to do the same. Principle five, which we've already talked about, accept your uni presence. Principle six, embrace 
productive rest. I know a lot of the high achievers watching this right now think that rest is unproductive, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. not what scripture says. And it's not what science says. Uh, And in chapter six on this sixth principle, I break down three counterintuitively productive rhythms of rest. And then the final principle in the book, which you can see all throughout the gospels, is this idea of eliminating hurry. And I got this from my good friend, John Mark Comer's terrific book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's just this idea that Jesus was crazy busy in the gospels. He had a lot going on. There's one passage that tells us he was so busy. His family thought he was quote out of his mind. So he's out of his mind busy, but he was never frantic. He was never rushing from point A to point B. And there's a big difference between being busy and being hurried. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I break down in that seventh and final principle in the book. So that's a quick sketch of the arc of the book and those principles I think we could see in the gospels. Going back to that very first one, first things yeah. first, Steve Covey, you know that well enough. Yeah. Um, I love what you said because, you know, it could sound legalistic, but in reality, in, in one of my books uh, written on how to hear God's voice, learning to journal and, and pull from the scriptures, the voice of God personally. The relationship is that when you really get in tune with God's voice, when you really get in tune with him changing your life through what he's telling you, sharing with you, whether it's a scripture verse, whether it's a you know written journal entry, it becomes desirable. Hmm. And when it becomes desirable, it's no longer I have to. It's like if you like to run, you run, right? You, that's yeah, isn't one of your exercises. Yeah. So when you love to run, and if you hate to run, wrong wrong example. But when you love to run, you just you're like free. You're like like that yeah. movie, you know, Chariots of Fire. It yeah. is absolutely glorifying to God to you, hmm. and that should be the time when you get to a lonely place or to a quiet place with the Lord in the morning, I go to bed at night and my wife always knows this. I'm thanking God for tomorrow morning because I know he's waiting for me and I can't wait to get up. But in turn, when we make it legalistic, it makes it hard and it stops this whole course of those seven elements of principles that you've put there because first things first, if that's not first, they could use even all the principles that you've brought forth and still find failure. Would you agree? I completely agree. I completely agree. And and in the book, I share a little bit of detail on what I've found to be the path to really joyful times in the word. I love the method of Bible study that Martin Luther practiced. So it's very simple, uh, but but very powerful. Luther would take a passage of scripture. uh, He would read it. He would find a particular verse he wanted to meditate on. And then he would write out the verse's instruction. Right. So Mm -hmm. what is this thing commanding me to do? He would Mm -hmm. write out praise. What is this verse leading me to praise God for about who he is and his character? Third, Mm -hmm. he'd write out a confession. Where have I fallen short of this command? Uh, And then he would write out a supplication. Right. So just asking the Lord for his help in living out that command. And then Luther Mm -hmm. would kind of move into just this open ended time uh, of prayer. And I've been practicing some version of that for a few years, and I've found it to be just an incredibly rich, joyful time with my heavenly father before yeah. I hit the ground everywhere, before I touch my phone, before mm-hmm. I see my family, before I see my kids, having a cup of coffee, my protein bar, and doing Martin Luther's time in the Word. Oh, that, that is precious. That is precious. Let, let's um, go a little bit further into your life. I like to get behind the scenes for the listening yeah. audience and the viewing audience. You've had a success. I mean, it's not like this is you're the first kid on the block that came up with a book. You've had bestsellers. Uh, and the reality is you've also had 
multi-million dollar successes in your business practice. In college, you wanted to do everything and you're yep. trying to. I remember hearing your, your storyline in your bio. But you have taken what worked for a real example of your personal life. That makes this a difference than a theory that even if a good theory, yeah. you've put it into practice. Give me the understanding of how this evolved in, it was a college that it started at and you kind of yeah. discovered it later on. How did this evolve, this, this seven principles? Like I said before, I, I've, I've always been reading up on time management. Ever mm-hmm. since an early age, I was just a very ambitious kid in college, uh, just very intentional. So I've been thinking about this for a long time. And I'm always experimenting with new productivity tricks, hacks, whatever. The stuff that I put in the book, though, because I'm still experimenting with stuff that's not in the book, right? But mm-hmm. I'm not going to share something with somebody that I don't know for sure works in my life and in the lives of others. So the yeah, stuff I've baked into the book are the stuff I've been doing for years and the stuff that I hear people that I interview on my podcast and other places are doing on a consistent basis, right? And you're right. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a writer. I have one perspective on what it means to redeem our time. I think the seven principles are for everybody. The 32 practices in the chapter, some will work better for others. Some will work work really well for me. Not everything's going to work for everybody. But going back to the reviews that you talked about a minute ago, one of the things I've been Mm -hmm. really encouraged about with this book is it is people from all stages of their career and very diverse careers that are in ages. practices. As and well. ages. And ages. We always yeah. say retirees. We got mm-hmm. college students mm-hmm. in there. Uh, that's been a real blessing to me. And it shouldn't be a surprise, right? If these time management principles really are how Jesus stewarded his time and we are all made in his image, right? Mm-hmm. There ought to be mm-hmm. some application and some life change for everybody latching on to these principles from the life of Christ. Oh, that's right. That is right. Going through the, the process of putting this to practice in someone's life. Now, you always end your podcast with three questions. I have three questions for you. Oh, I love this. That's yes, great. <laughs> uh, but I want you to really unpack this because I want with all my heart, because it, let me take a pause for a moment. The reality of the resources, the book stands alone as a, as a pillar in my mind, and, and I just so much love it right now. But in turn, and in fact, one of your broadcasts, you asked what's the best book that you would give to somebody. I've just put yours on my shelf multiple times when it comes out because it's really a, a life changer. But in turn, the resources, it's not just a download of a piece of paper. It's not a, just a video. It's not just, it's systems. It's, it's um, operating systems. It's how-tos. It's your own personal schedule. I mean, you really folded into this one package a lot, a lot. How long did it take you to do this? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I track every minute of my time. This is something I didn't talk about in the book. It is in the book. Because it has a name. Because it has a name. Every minute has a name. Every minute has a name. (laughs) I spent, I think, 500 hours writing the book and developing the bonus resources. So the bonus resources are free. There's 32 videos, links, whatever. I, I think we're up to 35 now. I just added some more. Yeah, it's really robust. We were talking about this before we started recording, but the entrepreneur in me refuses to view books as $20 products. Mm-hmm. I view books as $2,000 products because when mm-hmm. somebody spends $20 on one of my books, they're also committing to spending five, eight, 10 hours of their life 
reading it and doing the work, right? That's mm-hmm. a that's very expensive. People's time is incredibly valuable. Hence this title, redeeming your time. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, my goal is always to say when somebody ends a book, I want them to say, I would have paid two thousand dollars for that. If I had two thousand dollars laying around, I that would have been worth it. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my philosophy, and that's why we spent you know four hundred, five hundred hours of my time, and then of course team of editors. Uh, my team who helps me produce uh, a lot of the bonus resources, stuff like that's crazy. Uh, we, we invest a lot of time in these projects. And you've also kept it simple. You know, I run by three principles, you know, keep it simple, less but better, and little by little. And yeah. you've, you followed that blueprint in my mind as I read it, because it really, it was easy. Even when I would be sharing with somebody else, I was able to recall it real quickly and deliver it to them. And they got it. You know, they got that's it. Great. So they that's wanted to, to get the book. Yeah. Here's my, here's my first question for you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now this listening audience is on the edge of their seat. <laughs> they want to get the book, but the, you yeah. know, it's, it's not yet released, but it will be released. But in yeah. our, our down below, we're going to have where they can pre-order that book. And then you guys giving away two, you're giving away a possibility of two flights over to Jerusalem and the Holy Crazy. land. Ah, Crazy. And I think that you're going to probably, this is my thoughts. I bet you're going to just continue to add to the resource and everything else. Yeah. But how, in my question, how does someone start their journey to redeem their time when they sincerely want to, but they're so swamped? They're like the mm-hmm. disciples in the boat. They're yes. swamped. How do they start, Jordan? Yeah. I'll say this, because I want to encourage people who are in that season of life right now. First story I tell in the book, right in chapter one, is the story of William Wilberforce, who mm-hmm. is known as being chiefly responsible for abolishing the slave trade throughout the British Empire. Very, very hard to live a more productive life than William Wilberforce did. But here's the deal. Before his conversion to Christianity, he, by his own account, was an undisciplined mess. The lesson for those feeling swamped is discipline can be learned. You can, by the grace of God, redeem your time for his purposes in the world. Uh, And my encouragement is just to make the time to do it because it does take work, right? All those other time management books, that I mentioned before, the thing that made me the most angry about them is they acted like this is going to be easy. Like solving your time management challenge is going to be easy. And then people get to the end and they have trouble with it and they feel like a failure when in reality, the the author should have never promised it was going to be easy. It's hard Mm -hmm. because we work and live under the curse, but it's worth it because at the end of this road is a model for operating your life that will make you more purposeful, more present and more productive, just like our Redeemer Jesus Christ. The uh, second question is, other than Jesus, what one person most influenced you in your faith Hmm. that you're walking today? Tim Keller. Easy answer. Um, I grew up in the church, spent 13 years at a Christian school. My understanding of the gospel, the depth and breadth of the gospel increased exponentially when I started reading Keller a couple of years into my career. I, the first book I read of his, really accessible one, really short one, it's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never heard the gospel preached this way. I binge read everything Keller had ever written and uh, I reread his stuff constantly. I love him. He's one of my favorite guests on my own podcast. Uh, and from afar, he's been an incredible mentor in my walk with the Lord. Wow. Uh, next book that I'm going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, question three, what is one piece of advice? And you asked this to so many times to your, your audience uh, and your interviews. What's one piece of advice that if 
everything else melted away from what we shared about so far. What's one piece of advice you'd share with our audience? That God loves you regardless of how productive you are in this life. Mm. As an adopted child, I don't love my kids because they did well in school today. I love them because they're my children. We need to understand the same thing as we seek to steward this small vapor of a life. And when we do, when we really understand that we're loved regardless of how productive we are, I think it leads us to the ultimate ambition to want to be productive, not because we need to get anything from our Heavenly Father, just because we want to bring Him pleasure. Uh, mm. That's what I want to leave uh, your audience mm. with, Jeffrey. Boy, that shows, sure shows your heart, Jordan. It's amazing. And you, you've continued to teach that it's every place that we live, this can be applied. So if you're not a pastor and a minister... You could be a barber or a butcher or a you know, candlewick maker and apply every one of these principles. I want yeah. to tell you something. Um, been behind your books for a long time reading them. To have you face to face and to see your real heart. I saw it in the book this time, even more than I've seen in all the other books I like. You're really a man of God. And, and I just want to appreciate you for a moment because I know that you hear a lot of compliments. Um, but I just want to pause and say thank you for being the impact in all of our lives that you have, every reader that's read. But this time, I think it's over the moon, and I just appreciate your efforts in this book. You're so kind. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you for the work that you're doing, helping people hear God's voice. It's important work. It needs to be done. I'm grateful people like you are doing it. Well, we'll see you hopefully soon in uh, the bestseller list uh, in New York Times. So get this book, eat it, chew it up, digest it, and truly put it into practice. And always remember, listen to that still quiet voice within you so that you truly can hear God's voice and he can truly become one with you. Have a beautiful day. I'm Jeffrey Paul.